Here at VFTN, we're all about the smooth moves. Whether it's a Joe Rawls through ball or a Shawnee Moz celebration, we simply love it when things run smooth. And that's why we're big fans of the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. We've been using their lawnmower shaver now for the past few weeks, and let me tell you, it's as smooth as Robert Earnshaw's head down there. I've been using razors and scissors to keep myself trimmed down below, but this device changes the game. Whether it's your plums, your armpits, or your chest, the lawnmower's skin-safe technology leaves you smooth and clean without any risks of bumps or nicks. And when you're done, you can use their Crop Preserver deodorant to keep things feeling super fresh down there. It's a game changer. I never knew I needed it, and now I can't live without it. And for our view from the Ninian listeners, we've teamed up with Manscaped to offer you 20% off their Performance Package 4.0. Not only do you get the Lawnmower 4.0 shaver and the Crop Preserver deodorant, but you also get the Weed Whacker. For those of you out there with that excess nose and ear hair, we see you. And a refreshing Crop Reviver tonic. You'll also get a pair of Manscaped boxes thrown in, as well as a bag to keep all your bits in. It's simply not to be missed. To get your hands on the very best in male grooming, head over to uk.manscaped.com and select the Performance Package 4.0. And at the checkout, use the code VFT Ninian for 20% off your purchase. That's VFT Ninian for 20% off your purchase. Trust us, your balls will thank you. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the Ninian, with views from the Ninian, not shoes from the Ninian, the view from the Ninian. It's another week. Ben James is not here, so it's me, Ben Price, taking the lead. And to fill his massive shoes, we've had to get two people. Joining me as always is the miraculous Tom Phillips. How are you, Tom? Very well, thank you. I don't think I've ever been called miraculous before, so thanks you are for that. Mirac- you're wonderful. I'm bringing positivity because we're going to need it today. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> also joining me is the wonderful Ryan March. How's it going, buddy? Yes, all good. Um, I am. I would say it's a privilege to be on you, but um, it's going to be an interesting experience. Uh, finally be g- given a platform to air my views on Cardiff City. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, you, you don't have a lot of time with Alternative Wales to sort of talk about how you feel it's going. So we'll no, a minute. Yeah, we'll uh, leave that. I'm sure I'll have my say in good time. Looking forward to it. And then also join us is the wonderful, the beautiful Dan Jardine. How's it going, buddy? A beautiful. Wow, thank you very much. No, very good. Thanks. Apart from watching the football, obviously. Uh, but yeah, very good. Yeah, football aside. So, boys, right, we'll get into it. Start you right. Um, how do you think the season's gone so far then? Oh, it's been an absolute shit show, isn't it? Um, from pretty much day one, trying to get into the to the to the Cardiff City Stadium, when it, it got there half an hour before kickoff and ended up getting in fifteen minutes after after the game started. It was supposed to be the big return, wasn't it? You know, fans back. Um, I think we would have had some sort of positivity because fans were back and people hadn't gone to see football, but it soured quickly and it's just seemed to got worse from there, really. So. Yeah, nice positive start from me. Yeah, keep, keep it up, mate. This is, <laughs> this is going to be a happy podcast. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. Dan, what about you, mate? How have you seen the season so far? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just not been encouraging, is it? I mean, start of the season, obviously, with Mick McCarthy. We thought it couldn't be more, any more depressing. And here we are, a couple of points off the drop. Um, having just lost to our our closest rival. Well, I wouldn't say closest rivals, but uh, our rivals just down the road. Um, yeah. Disappointing, disappointing to have the fans back, especially, you know, waiting so long to get into the stadiums and having to turn up and watch that. It's not not encouraging, is it? No, it's pretty depressing. Tom, I would ask you, but I don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I've said my piece enough this season. You don't need me to re- rehash in my views. All we need is just you silently sobbing. On. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other idea I had for this podcast for this week, because obviously Ben's not here. He's sunning himself. Is he in Austin at the moment, isn't he? He's, he's currently on his way to Miami as we speak. Oh, he's on his way, is he? Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking of just like playing an hour-long soundtrack of just someone's site just crying every now and again. I thought we'd just cover it quite nicely. I'm glad we didn't go with that. I'm not going to lie, Ben. <laughs> I, I could have done, done with the night off, to be honest, boys. <laughs> a lot's got on. Gone on. It's lovely to see your faces, but yeah, i got stuff to do. Right, let's get into it, shall we? We all know what happened on the weekend. Bristol City 3, Cardiff City 2. In the notes, I've just gone with the simple, what the fuck happened? Uh, Tom, we'll start with you, mate. What What happened? But it started, well, I feel like I've said this over and over again this season, that we, we saw a glimpse of a bit of hope at the beginning of the game where we were stringing a few passes together, created a few chances, albeit from, you know, set pieces. And then our goal, yeah, Bristol made a mistake, but, you know, it was a well-taken goal. It's what we wanted to see. And then from there, we just capitulated. But we, we just capitulate over and over again this season. And I think, I don't know, it's just worrying the, in the manner that we do it. Um, just second half, we just looked completely disinterested. Like, and Morrison has said it, that they wanted it more than us. And that that's the one, that's the thing that like gets the gut the most, isn't it? The fact that players look like they don't, they don't want to be out there anymore. There's no fight. There's no fire. We can forgive bad performances, but there just seems to be very little desire out there at the moment. And it's just also deflating because we've had this debate before about like biggest rivals. I, I very much dislike Bristol more than I dislike Swansea. So this result really, really hurt. And we're just going to live with them gloating again now because we were awful. And to be honest, 3-2 by the end of the game flattered us. Yeah. Dan, we sort of look at this. It's a similar thing. Like we say the same near enough every derby at the moment with this current squad. What is it? Is it like a lack of character from the boys? Is it just other teams wanting it more? What's going on with sort of those players? How can they not get up for a derby? They're too comfortable. They're surely too comfortable. You've got players there looking at contracts expiring at the end of the season. And a lot of that is is, a, is the key squad, you know, older members of the team that were playing on on the weekend. And it's, it's really a question of, do they want it more? Well, are, are they just seeing out their paychecks now until the end of the season, until they expire? And if, if that is true, then we, are, we could be in a lot of trouble. I think we already are, aren't we? We're looking at it. But talk about youngsters, youngster from Man City on loan. Doyle started, looked impressive, got a lovely assist. Right, what did you make of his uh, debut? Um, I think it was a positive. Um, I think the only, I don't think it's a criticism of him, more of a criticism on the team, is I think he's on a different wavelength. I think a player like that, who's a playmaker, he needs, he relies on other people's runs for him to then pick out. But when you haven't got the quality that like even Man City under 23s probably have, in terms of movement up front. And you've just got, I mean, James Collins, the, that little movement for the goal was really good. But like, you could just tell, even for the goal, I think he, he holds that ball up out wide, doesn't he? And he tries to sort of give, I think it's Mark Harris, the nod to run into the byline to play it to him. And he and it, it's too late. And by the time he gets there, it's intercepted. Obviously, it does make its way back to Doyle and the ball goes in. But I think for a player like that, you need to have other quality around him to get the best out of him. And I think he'll, he'll only start cutting a more frustrated figure as the weeks go on if if Saturday was anything to go by. 
Is there the positive going? negative there? That's quite impressive. Yeah. One, thing, one thing we had. This well, podcast. his Seppi's delivery was good. And, and you know, for all the talk of us trying to change style, the only thing we did seem to be relying on was set pieces. So if he can whip in a good set piece and we can score a few goals off it, I'll take anything at the moment. Colin's obviously got the goal. Um, he's starting to bag a few now, despite some massively lacking in service. I think he's starting to find his feet now, Tom? Possibly. I think, you know, it's what you expect from him, right? He, he's got a lot of energy, puts himself about, and th- those are the type of goals you expect from him. Um, I think by this stage of the season, we wouldn't see a bit more of that, you know, he's he probably had a bit more of a run in, in the team than we thought he would, you know, with Kiefer being in and out of the squad. You'd hope he would have bagged a few more by now. Um, if, you know, like Doyle carries on putting deliveries like that, we might see a few more um, going Collins' way. But, you know, it, it, to be honest, it's the bare minimum you expect from him. Um, and it has been disappointing up until now. I want to be a bit more positive about him because I like him. He, he comes across like a nice bloke. You know, he wants to do well. You can see that when he got his first goal, you know, he was absolutely buzzing. You know, you could see he was a frustrated figure for us. But I, do, I don't think he's good enough. For, to be honest, the whole team aren't good enough. But like, I don't think... He's good enough for this level, for what our ambitions were at the beginning of the season. I thought it was a good sign-in, first of all, to compliment Kiefer, but you know he's he's had more of a main role than we probably wanted him to have so far. Fair enough. It's going, it's improving sort of towards the top end, but I think one area that's constantly sticking out for me that's been an issue all season has been the defence. One clean sheet, I think we're still the second worst defensive record in the league. Um, and then this week on against Bristol, it looked terrific. Dan, what was going on with that, mate? Oh my god, yeah, you're right. It was it was horrific. It was um, yeah. I mean, looking at the picture, this we've seen the screenshot on Twitter of our defence for Chris Martin's goal. This is the second one. And they're just all over the spot. I mean, if you're going to play five at the back, surely you've got to, you know, you're giving yourself that extra cover. You're giving that yourself that extra space to close down players, and and just spatially, just they're just not there, and they're just not there. Men- Mentally, I don't think either, or technically, or physically. Um, you know, I, I feel frustrated for people like Hudson, you know, who has been a part of our defence over the years, a solid, strong defence. And he's, he's trying to implement that on this current squad of players, group of players in defence, and they're just not there. I like Mark McGuinness. I think I, you know, he's a young lad. He comes from a football and pair degree background in Arsenal in the academy. Um, he's, he looks like he could be a quality player for us for years to come. But at the minute, the players around him, the experienced ones, really aren't stepping up. Flint just looks disinterested. Morrison's just not having a good season, and um, and Nelson, I'm just, I, I'm just not sure he's up to this level. Fair enough. Yeah. You sort of look at what's come in, and sort of like you look at you said Hudson there. Do you think he's getting a bit of a? And I'm not trying to sort of throw things in the bush. He's a friend of the party. He's been on a couple of times. So hopefully, be on again soon. But you sort of look at this new management's come in, the defense. It's clearly been an issue all season. He's come in, obviously, with the idea of sort of looking and working in that area. But improvements haven't happened yet. Is it time to start asking questions and sort of saying that it's all well and good, we're making more passes, we're keeping the ball better, but the basics just aren't happening for us at the moment? Is that sort of something we need to ask questions of the, the staff and the management at the moment? Well, you can't keep doing the same thing every week and expect something to change. Because at the moment, we are doing the same thing every week. It's the same goals we're conceding every week. It's the same bodies. Like, if... I think I asked a question to the pod a few weeks ago, like, 
if we're going to go down, let's go down trying something because at the moment we're not trying anything. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to Steve Morrison in a bit, but I don't want to, like, you know, like you said, I don't want to start throwing managers under the bus this early um, because there is some signs of some sort of improvement, but it just reminds me a bit of what Har- it was like under Harris. We had more of the ball, but we're not doing anything with the ball. We're still relying on set pieces to try and score goals. We're so weak defensively and we're just ponderous. There's no urgency. There's no energy. Um, it just they just need a rock up, rocket up their ass, and I don't really know where that's coming from at the moment. Is it an attitude issue then? Do you think with the boys? Well, I've, I mean, I made some notes earlier uh, about it all, and I ended up writing like three pages because I was like, right, I've got a lot to get off my chest. Christ, um, you're not <laughs> didn't you? We don't normally do that. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to show myself up on um, on uh, on my debut. Um, but like, I who where does the the blame for because you look at like Steve Morrison's comments about it does it hurt enough blah 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 but is he doing enough to like motivate the players like I think you look at like how bad it was when Warnock came in and I don't want to beat the drum for Warnock I'm not Warnock's biggest fan I think he did an amazing job for us but I mean his shadow still looms very large over this squad that last transfer window is looming very large over this squad um but what he what he was able to do when he came in was galvanize the squad and the players we had. You know, it was the same team we had under Trollope that he managed to, you know, go on a bit of a run, get us up the table. And Morrison hasn't been able to do that. Instead, he's digging them out in the press every week. Is that gonna motivate them? I don't know. I don't think he's got the pedigree in the game that Warnock has. Um so I think there's a players issue. There's obviously issues with some players who probably aren't motivated. Dan mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of contracts running out. But I also think the management can't can't be um, blameless in it all, really, because, you know, they've got to also motivate the players to go out and play for them. Yeah, I think, like, the thing with Morrison, he doesn't come across as a character to me when, you know, backs against the wall, he's going to fight your corner. And, you know, as a player, you want a manager who, who you know, who can motivate you. He, he, at the moment, he comes across as a manager who throws his toys out the pram. There's always an excuse. You know, he's blamed youngsters a couple of times. He's now blaming it on, like, simply just lack of effort and lack of heart and stuff. But, like you said, we, n- nothing is changing. Like, there you go. There's three defenders out of position, but it also comes from nobody has pressed the pass. Mm. They've spliced straight through the middle of us. And like you said, it's been like that game after game after game. It hasn't been moments of magic from teams. It's been one straight pass, 20 metres straight through the centre of our midfield. And then our defenders, like I've seen tugboats turn quicker than them. Like they're just, it's just, it's bad to watch, but it feels like this air of deja vu week on week. And and I think we've got to look at the management, you know. I know everyone's calling for like the drop to five of the back on Twitter, but there's a reason for it because it's not worked. Mm. And We've got a. It's just so. It's such so frustrating watching it at the moment. And like, I'm normally such a positive football fan, and it's really just draining enjoyment out of the moment. It's it's just not a nice club to be around. From like across the board, not even on the pitch, off the pitch as well. It's uh, well as we'll probably come on to certain antics as well. It's uh, it it's uh, a bad time for the club at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to defend. Um, you know, I think it's his first pro big job 
Um, he's finding it hard at the minute. He's coming to obviously a club which is in disarray at the minute. He's, he's balance between getting the fans on his side because you're seeing that with his comments in the press. Mickey McCarthy, he's, he's blaming the youngsters or he's, he's going really dig, he's digging holes for the, the senior lads as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the senior lads have obviously been around for a lot longer than him. We've seen a lot, a lot more managers in that role do the job and, and maybe they don't they don't fully back him. Maybe it is a player issue. But yeah, Morrison, I, mean, I think he's, he's, he's suffering with a bit of man management. And, you know, this is a player that's done many, many press conferences and, and you know, post-match game interviews. So he's definitely media trained. So I do find it a bit strange that he's kind of being a lot more, I don't know what the word is, but in his press conference, you know, he's a lot more out there and he's taking risks with what he's saying. Um, but he's, yeah, he could be digging himself a big hole by continuing the way he is. Yeah, is he you, taking risks or is he just on the defensive constantly and not willing to sort of put his hands up? Because initially I thought it was a case of he's been a straight shooter. He's sort of saying things that people, players need to hear. But for me at the moment, this seems like some of the boys said there, like there seems to be no real acknowledgement of his responsibility and sort of like this stuff that can be improved on from his end as well. It's sort of been, mm. it's all the players, it's all down to them. If you look at someone like Pep Guardiola, for example, um, when they drew against Southampton on the weekend. And he came out in his post-match interview in proper pet bizarre fashion, where he says, he, he puts none of the blame on the players, doesn't dig out any of the players in the press. He says, we're great, we're excellent. But then, you know, as soon as he's finished that interview, he's going straight into that dressing room and he's telling the players exactly what he feels, exactly what he thinks went wrong. And those players are going to respect him for it. I don't think Morrison's the type of person to be, to be able to kind of balance that out properly. I don't think he's got the character for that, though, is he? Sort of, if he, he came out, sort of, you see that performance, he sort of came out and said, look, there's improvements, blah, 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 sort of tried the Pep Guardiola defence. I think he hasn't got the charisma <laughs> to sort of get away with that. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And he is stuck with that. But do you think that you both, like, we'll come to your eyes, do you think he needs to be smarter with his, the way he words things in press conferences? Is this stuff that said in the press conferences should be left in the changing room? Yes and no. Like, we all ask for honesty from footballers and how many times do we get, you know, media answers from footballers and managers. So there is a part of me that kind of likes the, the brutal honesty of it, but then it also pisses people off. And as soon as you piss the fans off, there's no coming back. As soon as McCarthy and the fans didn't click, that was, that was the end for him. Um, so that worries me. Um, It'd be interesting to see what he's like with the media if we go on a run of games of positive results. Although I don't see that for a long time. Um, but I mean, he's also, he was also fighting a losing battle from the moment he came into the job because when McCarthy was sacked, our bloody chairman comes out and says, we're not taking a risk on an under-23s manager. No way. And then three weeks later, he's got the job. Like, this bigger, you know, how many how many times are we going to be in this position where we start questioning the players, the management, when it all comes down to the board? The reason we're probably playing five at the back is because someone at a higher level let um, McCarthy or whoever let go of all our wingers. We got rid of all our wingers in one window. You know, we got rid of Hoylet, we got rid of Josh Murphy, we got rid of, um, I mean, Gavin White went on. 
I don't think they were good players. I don't think they were, at the time, the quality we needed. But we can't go and play like a 4-3-3 with wide men because we have no wide men. That's that's the issue with, what I think, why we're stuck with playing this five-at-the-back thing because we've got no width in the team. But for a team who has no width, we ain't half, half open through the middle. So, I don't know. I, I think there's so many factors in play and you can point the finger at so many things, the players, the management, the board. It's just like this sort of perfect concoction of, um, of a team that's going to go down. You saw it with Sunderland. You've seen it with so many other clubs who have been in free fall. Um, and that's, there's only one way we seem to be go, going at the moment. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Positivity. <laughs> you're, you're echoing sort of stuff. Like I've banged it. I've said it a hundred times in this podcast this season that look, we're paying the price for years of mismanagement by those higher up, not just football man- the managers at the club, but sort of the higher up. Dan, how do you feel about it all? You sort of, Ryan's had his say, sort of, what's your views on how the club, not just this season, but sort of, it's been a long time coming in this sort of situation. What's view, your view on the whole thing? Yeah, I think I completely agree with Ryan there with Warnock transfers um, and transfers before that as well. We've not really been a club that's done good business in the transfer window since Dave Jones, I guess. And you could even argue then we, we were that great. It's only because we got Michael Chopper, Ross McCormack and Jimmy Boffroyd and Whittingham. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at no wingers. I, th- I think how can a team be direct and use big players who want to be on the end of crosses without wingers? I think it's silly. You can't have a six foot four keeper more than James Collins in there with no one to put a decent delivery in apart from a long throw in a corner. Um, I think with Tommy Doyle, it's going to be good because he's obviously of that pedigree, Man City, um, under 23 captain. Um, I've heard some really good reviews from mates who are Man City fans. You can play at six and eight, um, which is good. But like, you know, good quality in the middle of the park with nowhere to outlet it isn't really isn't really the recipe for, for success. Fair enough. I mean, you look you look at our last sustained period of success, which was Warnock's promotion season, and arguably the best players that season were the wingers, Hoylett and um Mendes Lang, absolutely tore tore it up that season it was it was direct but it wasn't long ball was it it was get to these these super fast players that can attack a defender get a ball in the box or cut inside and score themselves and before that someone like Kadeem Harris as well in that first Warnock season um yeah it's just I think I think we've just like like Dan said how can you have two big lumps up front but with no one to serve them it just doesn't make sense yeah I can't agree more that way, to be honest. You fucking nailed it. Tom, what do you think? Anything to add on that? I t- part of me thinks as well, I don't know. Like, obviously, I agree with all that, so I'm not going to repeat all that. But part of me thinks with Morrison in charge now, a part, he's getting away with it a little bit because it was so bad under McCarthy. And I think if it was any other tenure where it, it's been this bad for this many games, he'd be under a little bit more pressure. I don't think you're hearing too many murmurings of like getting rid of him or anything like that. And I don't think it's all his fault, but I think he's getting away with quite a bit. We're kind of concentrating on his press conferences and stuff like that at the moment. But I haven't seen too much really questioning his management style outside of the defence. And it's only a matter of time. I think, like like we've said in the past few weeks, we're coming up to this block of games soon. 
where we're, we're playing all the teams around us and it, it's massive for us and we could be in real shit street if we don't get two or three results out of that block of games and I, I feel like I keep looking at the calendar to see how far away we are from that block of games almost writing off everything up up to it it's like going Forest I would probably lose that you know Liverpool in the cup are like that's a nice day out but we'll probably get battered in that and then we've got the big games against Peterborough Barnsley and stuff and I genuinely am just waiting and waiting for that block of games at the moment because I, I genuinely I'm, I'm really really nervous now and I think we're kind of drifting into disaster and there's been almost not kind of complacency but there has been a bit of an attitude in our fan base going oh, we'll probably pull away from it mm. you know at some point we'll pull away from it but I don't see that happening at the moment and yeah but I think we're we're in big big trouble just quickly before when we went go back on sort of talking about transfers and the board and mismanagement. It just came to me now, I was just trying to think, like, who do you think was our last great sign-in? I think Kiefer has been... Yeah, yeah, Belser, yeah But yeah, that's, yeah. That's, the except, that's an exception to it. I think the last... Mendes, Lang and Etheridge for free in Warnock summer. There's batterings, isn't it? That's the thing. There's not, like, a big plan, transfer plan where we've brought in, like, a block of players that have transformed it recently I think we've had a few gems like I think um, and we've kind of got away with with, with a couple and you know the, the, the promotion under Warner came out with the blue a little bit where he brought in the old guard and it worked I think and like with, with the sorry mate with the Warnock transfers that season everything felt thought out we need keepers so we went out and got Etheridge alright we also pulled out Lee Camp who turned out to be an absolute donkey and never played for us but alongside that, Warnock had time to look at the club and go, right, we need a, we need a couple of wingers. So we got in Mendes, we got in Hoylet. It seemed like he had his target sort of lined up, ready to go and sort of built around that. And it seemed like the club doesn't have an identity, but Warnock has clearly had a clear identity for the way he plays football. It's not direct, but it's very quickly gets that final third and that's where they play football. And that's where the success came from. Since then, it doesn't feel like there's been a pattern of play. Like Harris, like we say Harris improved it, but I couldn't tell you what his game plan was. McCarthy, it was just try and do the basics and hope we scrape a 1-0. And as good as sort of we are at keeping the ball under Morrison, I can't really say there's an identity to our football. It's very nothing. It's sort of we do everything in sort of the middle. We've got no idea at the back. We've got no idea going forward, going like in the last final third either. So it's not a case of sort of just, yeah. Killing my Monday, that's not going to Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let's, let's talk about happier things. So if you look at the defence, I think the one great tackle that was made by any defender was made by Nelson for the third goal when he absolutely clattered Aidan Flint. <laughs> I think it if, was, there's, if there's it was a, a goal, comedy of errors, wasn't it? it was mate, just... If there's a goal that sums up our season, it's that final goal. Just Nelson, Flint just gets turned out of nowhere. And then Nelson decides to fly in for no reason instead of staying on his feet and takes out his own man. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was so bad. And like no one came out, no one in that defence came out looking good. Drama got done for the third goal. Weak. Um, yeah, McGuinness got sold. A, he, well, he got pulled out, didn't he, for the second goal yeah. and created that space. Everyone, mm. I mean, Flint, every time you, you go near Flint on the floor, he's just, you'll get sucked in. It's exa- I do this every week in seven aside on a Wednesday. But, you know, Why that's you on a seven. seven aside, Flint? <laughs> well, I do it every week on a seven aside. 
but I can get away with that because it's seven aside and you know, 15,000 people aren't paying to watch me every week. But yeah, it's just, it's this every week, it's the same thing, same mistakes by the same people. And they, and come Sunday, I'm sure it'll be the same team. Yeah. And that's, and the thing is, we've got players like McGuinness, who we're saying is a talent. Um, you know, he's, he could be a big player for us going forward. But you need someone alongside him who's solid because he has got that kind of naive mistake in him. He will rush out every now and again. For every moment of brilliance, he, you know, he might get caught out of position every now and again. But we haven't got that. We've got experienced players here who are just letting us down. And I was convinced this year that Nelson would be a big player for us. You know, he hardly missed a minute last season. And to be, he was solid at times. He, you know, he wasn't setting the world alight, but he looks completely devoid of any confidence. But I would be playing alongside Aidan Flynn. Like you, you, have, he's got, he's got no one to trust around him at the moment either. And he, he looks like a fish out of water. It's just, we could go on about this for hours, like with, about the defense. It's just a shambles, man. With with Nelson, obviously, there's a lot of questions on whether he's just just not good enough for the level. Yeah. But like you said, he played pretty much every game last season, and him and Morrison, I thought that's a solid centre half pair in most last season. Is he just not suited to a three? Is it because he's playing on his weaker side? You know, like society is... play society played on. He was he's always like since he's been at the club, he's played on the left hand side. Yeah, I guess. And it's but, harder. Uh, left of left of a three is different to left of a two, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. This question marks over Nelson. I think the real issue is Flint and obviously Morrison coming in for Flint. Is you know he, he hasn't covered himself in glory either. So I'm sure we'll get onto transfer once later. But um, yeah, the, the, those centre back options are just. I text my mates yesterday after Manga equalised for Gabon, and I said, "Oh, that man! <laughs> Remember when we had beautiful pr- man. prime Sean Morrison, um, Sol Bamba, and and Manga as our centre back options? It feels like a." Long, long way away. Oh, that's just depressed me even more. <laughs> right, let's, let's, let's move on from the fence because yeah. we've hammered it enough now and I feel bad. Let's hammer the midfield. Um, coming off it, one of the big things I saw at full time was I think there was overall a lack of interaction with our fans who will come on to a few of those in a bit. But Marlon Pack clapping his former team fans and our rivals before even acknowledging the City fans. Is that an issue for you, boys? Do you think there's something that sort of... To me, it's sort of... Once you've lost another derby and sort of the lack of commitment and you see a player going over to do that, it seems sort of shows that they don't understand the club. Dan, how do you feel about that? Yeah, how many times is it going to happen? Like, how many... These players have lost numerous derbies now, numerous big derbies. But at what point are they going to... You know, it's the same core squad. Um, Flint, Pack, Nelson. Like, at what point are they going to understand how big these games are for the fans? Because at the minute, it doesn't seem like they do. And I, I wouldn't usually make a big deal out of Marlon Pack, maybe because I think he had family in the crowd. Um, but yeah, it, it obviously shows the frustration, the clear frustration that the fans have got with the players at the minute. There's no the the connect just isn't there. You know, the young players coming in bridged it quite nicely with um, the academy and the fans. Um, you know, Mark Harris, when he scores, you know, the, you know, there's a real connect between the fans and him, I think. But then there's other players who just don't look like they can, they can be bothered with us. And I think that's 
that's going to be um, well, that is a big problem for us, and it's something that we're going to need to address in this transfer window and absolutely in the next one. Tom, what's your thoughts on it? Marlon Pack's never been a fan's favourite. Do you think it's been blown up more because it's him, or is this sort of a fear gripe with this that um, that goes your goes your own fans first? I think it it just it's just naivety, isn't it? More than anything, you know, there's no malice in it from him. You know, he, I know he used to play there and all that, but just just think those things through. Probably just it happened to be where he was on the pitch as well. He was a bit yeah. of a distance away from the away. I'm sure if he was by the away fans, he wouldn't walk to the other side of the clap and come back. You know, it's just one of those things that he hasn't thought through and has happened. But when there's you know problem after problem, it's those moments where those senior players have got to think things through. It's little moments like that. Just re- fan, like we've said this over and over again. We keep like as fans, we are simple folks. Sometimes we just want a little clap and a nod, and. You know, if you do it in the wrong order, it could be costly for a player, especially when you know the fans are on your back already. Because I, I like Marlon Pack. I think as a bloke, he, he's trying to do the right things. He, most of the time, he says the right things as well, and he does come across like he cares. And then it's undone by something like that, and it, it is a real pity. Right? What's the bigger issue? Him clapping the fans, the Bristol fans, or him cutting his hair? What was the real issue that people are angry about? I mean, the haircut is a shame. I did like the the long locks. Um, but on the not clapping or clapping Bristol City fans first, you know what? I don't care because I don't care about Marlon Pack, which is sad because he's a Cardiff player. But I've just had, do you know what I mean? He came in, you know, that uh, in that Warnock, the last summer of Warnock. Um, obviously, we missed the, the end of the season. We missed all of last season. I've got no connection with him. Do you know what I mean? If it, if it was, um, you know, if, if we... You know, Kev McNaughton had done it. Different story, you know. But he'll leave Cardiff this summer, more than likely. And you'll I'll never probably think of him as a Cardiff player ever again because he's just done just I've got Jimmy, there's no there's no I moment, does it? Like yeah, you there, go, what's your what's your magic ballon pack moment? There I don't even, I just even Finn's got a header against Swansea. Yeah, it's like I mean, he's got nothing. It sounds terrible, but I just don't care. I just do not care about do you know what I mean? I, he's done, he's got nothing that has really redeemed him to Cardiff fans. And he's not the only one. There's 10 names in that squad, probably, that I just won't care when they leave. I'll have, do you know what I mean? It's not even like, a, oh, it's a shame they've left, or even a, oh, thank God they've left. It's a whatever. The kind of players that you, 10 years' time, you're scrolling through Wikipedia and going, Oh God, I forgot they played for us. Yeah, exactly. how did he have hundred games? Like yeah. you do get a few, don't you? But yeah. like, like you said, there's a lot of them in that squad at the moment. Where and yeah, like, like it, it doesn't help that we were out of the ground for a while and things because you can't build that rapport. But... Yeah, that that's definitely a definitely a part because there's a few players in there. Like obviously, I completely forget that I didn't see Kiefer Moore play for Cardiff until this season. You know, yeah. we missed a whole season of him playing for Cardiff. It's stunning. Um, or we never saw Harry Wilson play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there is that, and I will sort of give them that benefit of the doubt for some of them because, like I said, you know, we only saw what was it like six to eight months of Pack playing for Cardiff before, um, before we we were in lockdown. So, so that that hasn't helped the connection. But again, he, there's just nothing. I've got no feelings. Complete apathy. From apathy to complete fuck knucklery. Let's talk about. The city fans and their actions. I'm not sure. Some people are saying it's pre-game. Some people are saying it's like after the game. But what's going through people's heads? There's two things that are going through, blow my mind about the video. Is city fans trashing the toilets in Ashton Gate? 
the away toilets, the toilets they use, makes no sense to me. The second thing that makes no sense to me is if you're causing criminal damage, why are you filming it with everyone's faces in full view? Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I, I've got... Like I've got some thoughts and feelings on it. Um, I think, first of all, I don't think... I mean, it's completely the Cardiff fans' fault, but it doesn't help when the police didn't give Cardiff fans anywhere to go before the game. There was no designated away pub. So what happens when you stick 2,000 lunatics in uh, a concourse with beer? They're just going to play fuck, which which happens. Look, Cardiff fans... I've never been angels. Um, we've got our fair share of nutters, but it isn't a it isn't a Cardiff City problem. I, I was reading an article um about how arrests in football are up massively since fans have come back. There's probably a variety of reasons in here. We could go very deep into like um, you know, the government and obviously people being locked up. I'm not a sociologist, so I'm not gonna try and get into it. But Cardiff aren't the only problem. Look at Everton fans against Villa chucking stuff on the pitch. Do you mean that that happened a while ago? But before lockdown, there was very few incidents like this that would happen. So I don't think, I mean, it's obviously it's a dumb thing to do and absolutely should be condemned and it shouldn't happen. But I just hope people in the media don't start trotting out this. It's only Cardiff fans because... It's definitely not only Cardiff fans. There's a societal issue um, that's going on across the football world and probably across all aspects of life um, that's probably too deep to go into on a Cardiff City podcast. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is fucking idiotic. Like you said, Ben, especially people filming it. Like, come on. The police aren't thick, are they? <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, they are thick sometimes, but they're not that thick. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think as well, like, it's just, it was always going to be our club would have to pay for it. Mm. Like, it was only ever going to affect us. It's, like you said, that's where we have to go to the toilet, not them. Those home fans are never going to see it yeah. unless they go and watch the rugby team. Like, it, it's just bizarre. It's just, and it, but, but like, I, you know, we've been on these, on, on these derby games, you know, you get into Bristol, instantly the police, pen, the police pen you in, they slowly march you to the ground, which is absolutely miles away from the train station. You often miss kickoffs. And sometimes it feels like they're trying to prod at the fan base yeah. and trying to get a reaction. And the, and ultimately, you get it at the end of the day. Like, they move kickoff times about, you know. It never helps putting it earlier. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, it's for police reasons, we move it earlier. And then things still get trashed. Like, just treat, stop treating football fans like animals. And eventually... They'll stop acting out like them as well. Like, and but you know, I'm not condemning it. It is idiotic from our fan base, and we have got that element in it. Uh, we're just trying to like cause problems, but just help the fans. Like, stop treating them like penned animals. And the thing is, next time we go to Bristol, now it'll be like a voucher exchange game where we have to go on buses. So you know, we've pissed on our own chips there, and yeah. um, you know, it's it's you're not going to be able to get the train to Bristol next season probably. Um, and I don't know what it is. But when, since they changed that end in Ashton Gate, where they moved it, when obviously away fans were at the other end, weren't they, before they redid the stadium? And by that park, I don't know if it's the park that just creates violence, but Swansea had a load of trouble there just yeah. before lockdown, didn't they? There was 
real bad trouble there. And obviously there's trouble after the game. So I don't know if it's just uh, Ashton Gate seems to be a bit more of a easier place to have trouble. But I mean, before... Ideal point for a meeting point, isn't it? It's, it's You get a lot of it. I think the last time I was there, we were coming out and you could see there was, you know, the sort of fake stone island, like 18, 19, just stood in the park, just waiting for trouble. Yeah. Sort of, I'm there with my missus. I'm there with my mate. He's with his missus as well. The last thing we wanted to be doing is getting involved with that. Like my missus can get a bit leery after a couple of pints, but fuck me, even she's <laughs> not going to go in windmilling into a bunch of uh, young lads like that. It's, um, but yeah, you are right. The sort of area itself doesn't help things. And I think because, the way because... the police handle it really, well, there was, I think there was a couple of city fans, one stopped to do a shoelace up and got pepper sprayed. Yeah. I mean, you're just looking to just cause trouble then, aren't you? Because at the other end of Ashton Gate, I remember when we were, probably the last time we went there, when it was the other side, it was the first time since we started playing Bristol City regularly again that they, there was no restrictions. And I remember getting off the bus and, and that side, they've got like, um, they've got the KFC, they've got a retail park, that sort of thing. It'd be like getting off outside the um, the grandstand. And Cardiff fans just sort of dispersed into like, some people went to get food, some people went in the ground. Whereas, it's so focused on that that area that it's just for whatever reason since they've moved that way it's just got worse in terms of trouble but I mean there's probably a lot of factors for that fair right let's move on from the game I'm, I'm bored of talking about this game now I'm bored of the <laughs> let's I would say let's keep it positive let's try and do something positive but um, there was a thing went up on Twitter I think it was a second tier posted without point deductions we would be five points from safety um Boys, I'll put out two. How much trouble are we actually in here? I think it all depends on these next two games. Um, or the next three games, sorry. Forest, yeah, as you you could expect with the way we're playing at the minute, isn't one that we should be looking forward to, especially with the Brennan Johnson playing so well for them as well. But I think the two after, the two after, Peterborough and I'm not sure the other one is, I can't remember. Um, but the t- teams in and around us, we need to be getting the points so we can get out and away from this relegation fight. But we are very much in it at the minute. And yeah, you know, like like Tom was saying earlier, those those that block of fixtures um could really decide our season. Um I was I was looking on Twitter as well, you know, about this FA Cup game. Yeah, you know, scoring that late extra time goal for Mark Harris against Preston was a nice blessing, a nice boost, but it didn't really build a platform for us. We didn't go on and win any other games after that. And now we've now we've got to go up and play against you know, one of the best teams in the UK at the minute in England in Liverpool. Um, and we have four, so, you know, those players aren't going to want to shy away from playing one of the best teams in in, in England as well. So, um, yeah, we're not we're not exactly putting ourselves in the best position and I, I definitely think we're, we're, in, we're in big trouble. Tom, you've sort of, was it the season you gave us plucky fifth, wasn't it, you said? Yeah, don't want, yeah. I just, I just <laughs> yeah. like bring it up. I just like every, any chance I get now, I'm just gonna bring it up. I said Nick Abel, yeah. and even that's looking like a bad joke. To be fair, um, do you think unless I think Derby the one sort of looking to push out of it, if any team's gonna get out of it, um, are we fucked? Are we relying on Derby taking Rooney to Everton? <laughs> I, I, I think we are. We've obviously benefited from the points deductions and the fact that Barnsley who were hotly tipped at one point as well. You know, that they've been very, very poor. 
I think it's like the second worst record at this stage of a season of any team in the championship has had. You know, we, we are benefiting from there being poorer teams. But, you know, it wasn't just me who said fifth. Like the Buckies had us up there as well, you know, because we, we've always been kind of there or thereabouts over the last, like, we've been spoilt really as fans really over the last decade or so in terms of league positions. But now, yeah, I think we are in big trouble because if, if Derby don't, if Derby carry on playing the way they are, you know, they're going to pull themselves out of it. And we've got them last game of the season. We've still got to play them twice because we've got a rearranged fixture with them. You know, we've we've got, I think you and Roberts were saying it on a piece of football, we're playing like in the last few, like five games of the season, like a lot of them are from the bottom eight of the table. We've got some big, big fixtures coming up. And normally it's like, okay, you're playing the teams around you, it's a chance to get points. But I'm looking at it now thinking it's a chance for them to get points to catch up with us. Because I just don't see us getting results. Even when we started playing well in games, we're not getting anything from them. You know, even like Blackburn at home, we played all right at times, but we still got nothing from it. And that's the thing, we, we've lost that winning mentality. One clean sheet all season. You, you can't stay up with a record like that. And that was the second game of the season. It's 24 games in a row now without keeping a clean sheet. Like, you can't expect to stay up with a record like that. And you know, I think we are in real big trouble. And, you know, just looking at Derby's record, like before the loss on the weekend, they, they'd won three and drawn one in their last four games. They'd and be tough half if it wasn't for that points deduction. That's the thing, like, you can't rely on a team like that staying below you, no matter how many points you take off them. So I think, you know, we've got to be very, very careful because um, I think we're in a very precarious position at the moment. I think we might benefit from Peterborough being quite sensible with their manager um, because they don't seem to sack managers. I think Darren Ferguson, I think it's his second spell there. But if they sacked their manager, for example, brought someone in and they got a bit of a bounce, that would be enough to probably keep them up at this rate. Well, they've just given them a new contract, haven't they? Well, that's it. Yeah. So if they, if I, I don't think they will, which means they probably will just, will just sort of trundle on, maybe pick up a few points here and there. Obviously they've got to play us in a couple of weeks and they've got a game in hand. So obviously, if they win those two, then we're in the relegation zone. I didn't realise it was as bad as you said that we were, would be five points off safety. And five points feels massive now. Yeah. Like, I I would kill you for a nil-nil. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? How many times have we watched Cardiff throw nil-nil over the years and got so frustrated with it? But I would take a nil-nil against Forrest on Saturday. I'd take it against Barnsley. Like... It's, it's got to that stage now where every single point is massive. Um, and, yeah, I mean, on, on our podcast, uh, how many times at the start of the season we've sort of said, Cardiff aren't doing very well, but they're too good to go down. Mm. You know, that isn't the case anymore. We're, we're, we should be going down on based on current form. And I bloody worry so much if we go down because the state of our club um, from the top to the bottom isn't, isn't, in, in a good place to go down because it will destroy us. Um, but we might have some new grounds to visit next year, so th- that's a small silver lining. But but I, I, I'd rather have a, cl- a, a club because we might Derby County might not exist by the end of the season if if you know the last week is to be to, to be believed. Um, so I think staying up is the absolute priority now. Uh, over it, I would, I would, I don't want to say it. I would bring in a firefighter 
you know, just to keep us up as long as they didn't keep him on after the end of the season, because we are in, we are in dire straits now. And if we do go down, then we're only going one way after that. And we're not coming straight back up because we won't, it, that isn't how it works anymore with a club like ours. Um, so yeah, we, we, something needs to change and it needs to change straight away because if we go into that international break in March in the state we're in now or worse, then we're doomed because you come out of that, we play Swansea straight away and then you've got Reading, Hull, Luton, Sheffield United, Birmingham and Derby to stay up and they may be down there with us, but I don't fancy us against any of those sides. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) This, this is the, the, the worst Cardiff City team or worst situation Cardiff City have been in since I started watching in the year 2000. Yeah, I um, completely agree. I can't remember a time where it's been like I've been spoiled as a Cardiff fan and a Wales fan, to be honest. Yeah. Like a little bit of a block with a Wales fan that was atrocious. Yeah, but like as a football fan, I've never really gone through like a sustained period of shit. Yeah, really. And this, this feels like it at the moment because I'm because I'm a massive nerd. Um, in my notes on my phone, I've got every season I've watched Cardiff and how they finished. Fantastic. I, I remember a few years after going up against QPR, I think it was our second season in the championship. I remember us having a bit of a relegation yeah. issue, but we finished 16th that season. That's so, the lowest finish in the championship, isn't that's, it? Yeah, that's the lowest I've ever... I've, I, so my first season, we were promoted from Division 3, now League 2, and then we went up two years later again. So the lowest I've seen us finish since we were promoted in 2003 was the 16th, was 16th in the championship, and there is no way we're going to get anywhere near that this season. Dizzy in heights of plucky 16. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, right, the chance of windows ending in what? Eight days, I think it is from today. Um, what's your hopes? What's your fears? What do you think is going to happen? And how disappointed are you on the final day when Keith Moore inevitably goes to Burnley? Uh, Dan, we'll start with you, buddy. I think, yeah. There's, there's there's quite a few scenarios that, that could pop up, and I think Kiefer leaving, I think is is looking pretty likely. As much as I'd hate to say, um, I think we'd be lucky to get three mil for him. Bournemouth is what I've been hearing, three million. Burnley would be silly not to go in for him after losing Keith, uh, Chris Wood, twenty five mil. We've got the money now to spend, um, and it, it'd suit them perfectly. Not that I, I, well, I hope um, I Burnley fans aren't listening anyway. But um, yeah, I, I'd like to bring in wingers. Get Murphy back, um, you know. Think Gavin White's maybe. He's done nothing. Oxford though, he's lit. Like I know we're sort of saying that, but even without wingers, I think we're better off than Gavin White. Gavin White is the most anonymous football player in the world. I don't know though. At least it gives us an option. At the moment, we own mm. these players, so we might as well use them. We haven't yeah. got much. We haven't got much at our disposal, so at least use what we actually have. And I think, you know, try something. They, they haven't worked with our current manager. Bring them in, see what they can do. If it, mm. Like you said, it's already working from Oxford. So, you know, bring, bring him back. They're not going to want to keep him either, but at least try something. Because we're not going to be able to afford to bring anyone in from on a permanent sign-in, probably. We're going to be raiding the loan market and, and trying to pluck people from elsewhere. So at least pluck our own players. Well, it looks like Giles will be back as well, potentially. So mm. a left-back. We may have some more cover because at the minute it's just been it's literally looked like an open flesh wound at left left back. It's just been it looks terrible. So we need we need Giles back and creativity as well. But I think I think 
Moss has done well in terms of the loan signings he's made. Doyle, you know, he's great, great uh, stock player, and he's he, he's been you know pedigree wise, he's he's from the top. So and then obviously drama as well. It's been a, well, Bielsa wanted him to stay at Leeds, so I think that's a good coup for us to get him. And if we can get Giles back as well, who's proven this season with the assists and the creativity he's shown, he's shown, we will be in much better stead. But then, yeah, I think you know I'd like to see some more of Wintle. He's played brilliantly to start first half of the season. I think he, he's a lot better than some of the options we've got in the middle of the minute, uh, form-wise anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we let all these players go that are running out of contract at the end of the season, I read somewhere that we, we'll be saving something like £8 million a year. So it, that's going to be massive towards what our transfer well, policy is going to be next season if we stay up. Um, but yeah, I think we've, you know, it's very limited what Morrison can do. Let's hope he can get the best out of these players. I mean, we've, we've got quality youth as well that just needs good leadership from the players that are already there, the, the experienced players, um, and an opportunity to play to play in that team. Right, what's your thoughts? I mean, I've been banging on about rebuilding the team, changing the style of play from the top to the bottom of the club. But we can't do that how we should, how we, you know, I'd rather us do that in the championship than in League One. And right now, it goes against everything I've been saying over the last five or six seasons. We've got to think short term. And um, there is a basis of good young players at the squ- in the squad, which is great. And like Dan said, we've brought in some really good loan players, which I'm really happy with. Something we haven't done in the last few seasons is utilize the loan market very well. Um, but we need we need some sort of battle-hardened, experienced lads now to come in and just galvanize the dressing room a bit. I mean, we'll get on to Forrest in a bit, but I noticed they brought Steve Cook in from Bournemouth. Like there's a player who's played he played over 350 odd games for Bournemouth. It's a ridiculous signing. <laughs> yeah, like that is the sort of sign-in. That we might need, maybe not, maybe not that level, but like give someone a six-month contract, let them and say, you know, if you do impress, stick around. You know, I mean, I don't really have many names at the top of my head, but um, because I don't really know a lot of players who aren't playing the situation, but that's what we need now, I think, because staying up is the only priority, and then we can start rebuilding in the summer. Um and and think maybe a bit more long term, but let's just get some players through the door. I've got a centre back written down because the centre backs aren't good enough. And if we even if we're going to go to a four at the back, then I I don't know who I'd pick to play alongside McGuinness. So I think we need a centre back. We definitely need a left back. How did we let Joe Bennett go? I know he was injured when we only had one left back at the club, which was a twenty year old who barely played a season of. I don't even know if Bagan's 20. He must be around that he age. He just turned 20, I think, didn't he? Yeah. So, um, that again, what an oversight. I know they brought Giles in to play left wing back, but still, he's not a left back, is he? It doesn't give you an option then to switch to forward the back. Um, so, I think those two. And then, obviously, there's the Kiefer thing. If he does go, James Collins isn't good enough to lead the line by himself. Max Waters, who knows? He's a bit of a wild card. I'm, I'm happy for us. well, but yeah, again, his his thing is, we've said a lot. It's he has got unlike Collins, he's got to have half chances. Like something cut out for him, he's not going to pop up with a header out of nothing. Yeah, I so, say that's literally mm. what he did on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chips there, but yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe not strikers because maybe those two, if they can grab five goals each between now and the end of the season, that's massive. 
Um, but it's the service, like Dan said, wingers just, you know, I mean, how much do we miss a Mendes Lang or a Hoylet again? Um, let's get Kadeem Harris back from the Ukraine or wherever he's playing at the moment. <laughs> He's had um, a lovely time out there, I think, isn't he? Yeah, until Russia guess, invades. You know, the race. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but, th- you know, that's the sort of player we need, like this sort of fast, direct, pacey um, guy who can get to the byline and knock the ball in for, you know, like exactly what Isaac Davis did against uh, Huddersfield. That's the sort of thing we need to be doing more. Um, and maybe we should start trusting Colwell and Isaac Davis, who have shown glimpses. Like, Trust him. Throw him in. You know. I don't know why Colwell wasn't on the bench for the Bristol game. I mean, he must have had a knock if that was the case. We can't we can't be leaving mm, players co- like no. Colwell out of the squad. No. There'd be serious questions asked if that was the case. Strange one. Yeah. Right, we'll go from our meltdown to the Twitter meltdown. <laughs> Good um, stuff. As usual, at VFT Ninian for your questions. Um, we'll start with good old Gonzo McKenzie. As we slide towards the bottom of three and excel only smashing up toilets, how depressing is it the complete invisibility of our owner, CEO and chairman? Will they magically appear at Anfield? And if so, how should we show our appreciation for their efforts? Tom? Uh, just, I'm sick of speaking about these idiots, but yeah, it's just considering how bad things are. They, they only pop up when they've got something to say when something's going well or they want to stick their oar in in some wider issue that's nothing to do with our club. And it's just because we've just come accustomed to it now. It's what we expect from them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we did just see them roll themselves out at Anfield. But you but, know, you know that um, Denham's going to be not Denham, sorry. Um, what's he Dalman. called? Dalman. is going to appear on Talksport the week leading yeah. the Liverpool game at least twice and say yeah. something stupid. Yeah, it just it's just what we expect from them now, and it, that's the depressing thing about it. But in terms of what we could do as fans. To be honest with you, I'd rather concentrate on cheering on the players in the game because I'm not being funny. As as a as a board, as an ownership, they're not going to take a blind bit of notice what we say. They change the colours of the club when people, you know, they're not going to start you know, like paying attention to us now, are they? So I think you know, just get behind the players on the te- on the on the pitch and you know, hope for an upset. Yeah, I mean that time we went to Liverpool and sang about Malky Mackay for two hours. Yeah, and then well, they sacked they sacked him a week later yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> They're not gonna, yeah. Um, like, who, who's that new lad on the board or the director who only tweets about other football? Clubs? Anything other than the club he's he's on the board. Yeah, of, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a Liverpool fan he as is. well. Yes, yeah, I, am, I, sure I followed I, him. He was doing my fucking head in. Yeah, I, I saw him tweet like saying, you know, how glad he was that this draws happened. So these are the sort of people that are running our club. They're just bloody chances who are just, you know, like like most football clubs. Um, Anyway, I mean, this is again another wider issue, you know, the ownership of football clubs. But um, we, we'll go nowhere. We're, we're going nowhere with the, the the people in charge, and we'll continue to go nowhere with the people in charge. Warnock fluked a promotion down to him. It was down to you. The board can take whatever credit they can. That was down to Warnock, and the fans as good as appointed Warnock. As soon as Trollope went, every single Cardiff fan was out there saying, Warnock, Warnock, Warnock. He was the only man Cardiff fans wanted. So Cardiff fans as good as appointed him. I've got no faith in them. Um, I don't care if Tan takes his money out now because what what's the worst that can happen? Well, the, what, what is the worst that can happen? But, um, you know, I just... We're, we're in a lot better position than, than a lot of football clubs are. We still own our football. We still own our ground, which is massive. Um, 
so it's not it's not going to be the end of the world as long as whoever takes it on isn't another chancer. But I've just I've got nothing good to say about them. Um, Dalman is just an absolute cockroach of a bloke. I'd have left out the word roach, to be honest, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that word as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, he only, he only, he'll only pop up when it suits him. Um, no doubt you might have a moan about there being no replays because that's a payday that they'll miss out on. Um, as if we're getting a fucking draw. Yeah, that's positive. Well, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the sort of nonsense that Dalman will come up with anyway. You know, it's, it's all, you know... It's the thing that annoys me most, especially about Dalman, especially about him, is every time you see him speak about the fans, it's always like they're doing us a favor. It's always we keep the club going, we keep the club afloat. You know, we're doing this for you. You should be pleased for us, which is it's absolute bollocks. It's the other way around. Because if we walked out, all 20,000 of us who go every week, you know, that club's nothing. That club's a shell of a club. Um, you know, it's just another football club what makes Cardiff special is the fans it's not the team because the team hasn't there's there's been nothing to be proud about of that football team for a long time other than maybe a blip of of one year in in the last 10 you know we are a shell of a club and it's because of the owners and if and if they think that we're there doing us a favor then they they're completely wrong because without us they they wouldn't have this little cash cow that they whatever they're doing i mean they've got to be getting something out of it haven't they money or something there's got to be some money uh, there yeah there's no way someone like member darman's doing this out the good Exa- yeah start. exactly and that's that's what it, he tries to get across as if it's we're we're some sort of charity case and without them and vincent's bloody money then we'd be nothing but, but you know thing though isn't it it's vincent's money it's not his money it's not ken chu's money They've, yeah. they've not gone out and sort of sought other investment, which is clearly needed in the club. It's it, To be honest, Dalman and Chu, if the club went bust, I don't think they'd it would affect them. There's no no there's no repercussions for them, isn't there? There's no financial no. thing there. All right, they miss, might miss out on a couple of bonuses, but look, their car dealership's doing well enough. I'm sure Dalman's got his friend Boris doing him a fucking couple of cutbacks somewhere. He's probably got some PPE contracts or something, allegedly. No doubt. There. But... <laughs> Yeah, you're spot on. Um, we'll move from that. Dan, we'll come to you for this one. James Roberts asks, how sad does it make you know the Jacks will do the double over us? On the game, do you think we should have a, Do you think we would have a better chance of winning with no defender? Should we adjo- adopt a 0-5-5 formation? Oh, yeah, that's depressing, isn't it? Um, I mean, we're still we're, we're months away from the, the target. We are, we are months, to it. Yeah, yeah we are quite a way away from it, but yeah... It, it, they could well do it and I say this every season anyway that they can easily do it but it's, it's eventually going to happen isn't it um, you know tw- it, it, it would sum up the pandemic in 2020 post era perfectly but we you know we're still in lockdown and the Jacks do the double over us so we're just living in a nightmare aren't we um, but yeah I mean something needs to change in terms of the tactics uh, but it, yeah we, we've said this earlier on the pod um, if we go from a five to a four you're still gonna have the same problems. We're just gonna have one less shit defender to come, you know, to make the mistake. But what James has um, suggested, and I think it's bold, it might pay off, is to get round the problem of deciding whether we are three at the back or two at the back. We play none at the back, and I think that's brave. Could, just, could, could this be the next football fun. revolutionary sort of idea? The anti Mick McCarthy from six at the back to none at the back. Exactly. 
I quite like it. I'm, I'm intrigued. I think, look, I don't think it's worth a. I think it's worth a go. I think James could be the next Pep Guardiola. Tell you what, Att- attack is the best form of defense, as they say. Yeah, try it a Rogers from thirds and let us know how it goes. <laughs> okay, we, haven't got, we, have, we haven't got an attack or a defense. <laughs> um, someone called Ben James asks, "What do you miss most about me?" Um, it's the way your mustache feels for me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still have, missing some. Make it weird tonight. <laughs> I'm still missing some footballs that he booted over the fence against. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Carter asks can we clone Doyle here and while he's at can we clone 11 and having 11 of him on the pitch wearing different wigs um, Do the question there is do we really have to have them wearing wigs or can we not just register them as Doyle 1 and Doyle 2 I... yeah um, I remember once um, a, little, a, sm- a slight tangent um, remember we had Alan Wright on loan I think he was a fullback. I think he might have come from Doncaster tiny bloke bald Remember him? I think he came for like a month or two. When was that? Um, it must have been Dave Jones. I think probably about 2007, 2008, maybe around that time. Um, and for some reason, me and my mate were obsessed with him. So we used to, um, which is sorry, it was hilarious because uh, we made a team of Alan Wrights on Pro Evolution Soccer um, and would play people. He was, he must have been about five foot six and really bald. Um, so yeah, maybe we can do that, test them out. Team of Tommy Doyles. Tell you what, say seven appearances, 2006, 2007 for Cardiff. Oh, that's I'm great knowledge. Myself. That's great knowledge. Was that on, was he on loan from Doncaster? Well, I don't know why Doncaster rings a bell. No, so he was on loan from Sheffield United, but red he, and white. But he went to Doncaster. He left. Oh, there we are. Tell you what, you're not far off. Yeah, this is the bloke guy. who then said earlier on, "I'm going to be questioning if I remember Marlon Pack and yeah. <laughs> Hey, Alan Wright made more of an impression on me than Marlon Pack ever has. Says it all, doesn't it? Oliver Reese keeps up with the cheery theme. For the first time this season, I genuinely have relegation fears. We just look so dysfunctional, lacking any creative spark. Dyer looks like another lone player we fall in love with and end up in tears come May when they leave. Completely agree. James Roberts chips in again with a picture that we spoke about for the second goal. <laughs> the caption's beautiful. I mean, what the fuck is this defending? And yeah, I'll retweet that later. And um, yeah, it sums it up beautifully. Um, sorry, I meant this decided to go slow, so I can't load any more. Because I'm professional. Uh, Kian asks, what are your thoughts about the fans' short-termism? Seeing some awful shouts of Warnock in, etc. But I personally think the issue is the personnel at the club, not the manager. Right, you sort of brought it up and said, look, you possibly look at bringing someone in short-term. What you, you say in sort of looking at changing manager or bring someone in short-term to assist? No, I, I, I think that's me sort of talking a bit in hyperbole there, but like, we can't. We we've got to give Morrison the seat. They gave him the contract. I mean, they wouldn't be probably able to afford to pay out his contract and then bring someone else. I don't know who there is to bring in anyway. Do you know I mean definitely you don't go back? Do you? You don't go back to Warnock. You don't go back to someone like that. It never works out. It never works out. So, um, but I think in terms of how we need to look at the squad this for the rest of this week or whatever in building is short term. Give some a few people six month contracts. Like I don't know give them sort of low wages and, and high bonuses, that sort of thing, just to get some bodies in and just chuck everything at it now because, and then rebuild in the summer. Because regardless of what happens this summer, we're losing, what, eight, nine players? Say if they give one or two of them a contract, and that that's that might be a little bit speculative. It's going to be so, between her, isn't it? 
It's going to be Vakuna. No, 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 no. It has to be Rals. If there's one of them, it has to be Rals. Um, so there, there's an opportunity come in. Like, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm, I'm completely um, out to the, like, I don't think we need to be worried too much long, long term because there's an opportunity come in to shift out a load of dead wood. And, but we've also got to bring in the right personnel then. And that needs a football person on the board that needs a management who knows exactly how they want to play. And maybe Morrison does have a style, but he's limited by personnel. Again, you know, there's so many different points, fingers to blame. Um, I don't really know exactly where it is, but I think we've got to think short term in transfers. I'm not talking about sacking Morrison yet. That would just be, that would just be Watford like, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and bringing in, I don't know, Chris Houghton for five months or dare I say it, Tony Poulis. That don't you know, even mention that's no. name. Because the thing is, the thing is, if we did bring him in and he kept us up, you know they just give him a four month a four year contract well, at the end of the season. Path, isn't it? Exactly. What this we shouldn't be in this position now because what they should have done last season was bring in McCarthy, steady the ship, then go for the long term because you can't bring in someone and try and build long-term in the middle of a season, especially in the middle of a season like we're in now. Um, because there is going to be like a period where you aren't going to perform, you know? So it's got to be, let's fix this issue now. Let's, let's just tape over the crack and worry about replacing it in the summer. So short-termism, I found the ideal person. Um, Greg Halford is currently playing for Waterford. So what we're saying is get Greg Halford back in. <laughs> yeah, get him in. Uh, ben James pops play, up again. Positions. Ben James pops up again. I'm going to block him. He, I met a guy <laughs> here who's friendless to the podcast. Of course you did. Can you guess which one of us he said worst three says the most annoying? Um, no comment. <laughs> Daniel Morgan. Oh, this is a question for you boys. I like this one. That's when this came in, I got excited. Would you rather... Cardiff get relegated, but Wales qualify for the World Cup, or Cardiff stay up, but Cardiff stay up, but Wales don't qualify. Dan, I'll come to you first on this. Why do you have to come to me first? That's a horrible question. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I honestly couldn't say. Uh, I, I, you know, I would probably end up saying Wales don't qualify, and I'll, I'll get murdered for it. But yeah, I, I feel like the repercussions of um, a club in this environment, who's been losing so much money, going down to League One could be the end you know could be the end of the club so I would have to say as much as it would pain me to not see Wales go to a World Cup um, yet with Bale and Ramsey potentially so yeah I'd, I'd probably have to say Cardiff stay up Tom um, say it because I'm I, I think I know which way you're going to go and I think I'm the same as you I, th- I, I can't say this as a host of a Cardiff podcast can I <laughs> But I, I don't know. I think even if we did go down, we'd be okay long term. I think it would be bad for a while. And to be honest, I'd give anything to see Wales qualify for a World Cup. I think as a person, I'm very much country first before club. And I think it would have been closer, um, say, 10 years ago when I think like some enjoyment has been sucked out of the club a little bit with everything that's gone on with rebranding and things like that. So I don't think it'll ever be quite the same as it once was. Um, obviously, I don't want Cardiff to go down. <laughs> like I, I'd be absolutely distraught. But I think the high of seeing 
Wales qualify for a World Cup would paper over the cracks very, very temporarily. It's easy for me. I'm country over club every time. Yeah, I would take the World Cup over Cardiff. Um, my relationship with Cardiff over the last five or six years has changed completely from what it used to be. Um, I think that's definitely helped by Wales being good yeah. at football, and I get a lot more fulfilment from that. I've got involved with my local Cymru Premier side over the last year or so, and I get so much more from that. Um, this season, I've there's been numerous occasions where I've chosen to go and watch Pennebont over Cardiff um, because I just get a lot more. I watch them on Friday night and then watch Cardiff on TV on Saturday, and it's just chalk and cheese. So I love Cardiff, and I would always love Cardiff, and there's people who probably listened I care a lot and I want I think the club can do so much but um, it's just just nowhere near what it could or should be and what it used to be at the moment and there's yeah just a lot of apathy but also just a lot of anger towards them so country over club for me because I would get a lot more out of watching Cardiff uh, watching Wales in a World Cup than another season in the championship with Cardiff I'm completely same as you two guys. Um, for me, I want to enjoy my football. I want to feel part of the community. I want to just have a good time when I go there. And the difference in going to watch Wales play and watching Cardiff play in the last couple of years has been just polar opposites. I can't wait to get to the stadium for the Wales game. Just even around it, going for a couple of pints in town before or going for a pint in Canton even before that. It's just the atmosphere, the buzz and everything that goes with it sort of... I. I can't wait for international breaks now, whereas we're coming up to this. And it's not just because we're doing crap, but there's a lot of... It, Cardiff has become such a struggle to deal with that you look at the attendances, people are walking away from it now and sort of saying, like, this is too much effort. It's not what I'm after. The world's bad enough. I don't need shit thrown from me from what's supposed to be my hobby and my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, what hap- it's what happens when people, you know, when organisations listen to their fans, right? And that, that's what Wales, the FAW have done really well where they didn't do it well before. Like, they was awful for a long, long time. But now, the way they embrace embrace the fans, they get them involved in everything, you know, the way just little things like getting involved, like much more active with the Welsh language and things like that as well. And they just, they, they listen and they take things on board. They try things. And, you know, there's a sense of community and you don't get a sense of community with Cardiff at the moment. And that's why I'm sure it is for Ryan, like going to Penabon, you get that, you know, you you got like a like people you speak to the people you recognize every game you know you you're close to the the players they recognize you and things like that and it it's just it's just better fan experience and you know and Cardiff can get back to that you know if they start listening to the fans and stuff again but it, it's been far from that for a while yeah like following Ben go on sorry Dan it's all about engagement isn't it oh, you sort yeah. of look back to it and you sort of go um, well we'll go back to the charity game you did right the alternative Wales thing. We, we've spent 20 minutes lambasting the sort of board at Cardiff saying that they're not visible. The only time they're there is when there's something in it for him or in it for them. The CEO of the FAW yeah. came and had a kickabout with us and played half a game of football with the supporters group and alternative Wales. Got involved with the banter. We had a lovely conversation. Yeah. You gave him some stick for not giving you a job. Yeah, I did threaten to do him. <laughs> and to be fair, he took it. He, he laughed about it. Yeah. It was sort of like he was quite funny with it. He was so, at Pedabont. He was on Pedabont on Friday. I had a quick chat with him on Friday. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, the accessibility of that is, is brilliant. Um, and like, Cardiff could be that. 
Like we we are such a unique football club, and I've said it to people before, and it may be like pie in the sky stuff, but we've got the potential to be one of the biggest football clubs in Britain because our catchment area is like no other catchment area in the country. I think us and Swansea and probably Wrexham as well. Maybe not even Wrexham because of how close they are to um, Liverpool and Manchester. We are so unique that we can attract fans. Like Tom, you're from Carmarthen. Yeah. Like how that's 50, 60 miles away from Cardiff and you're a Cardiff fan. Like for some reason, Swansea have quite a core fan base within. I think that's changed slightly now since they had the success in the Premier League. But, you know, this Cardiff fans in Llanelli, I know Cardiff fans from Fishguard, you know, yeah. like we are in such a unique position as a Welsh. And Sam and Mam had these big ideas of making us this sort of club of Wales, which might have been a bit too much, you know. And I mean, in an absolute dream scenario, we'd be like the, you know, the athletic Bilbao of Wales and bring through these brilliant talents, Welsh talents and stuff. And I'm not saying go that far and only sign Welsh players, but th- there is such a potential year. And as an investment opportunity as well, it's a capital city. It's a growing capital city, whether we like it or not, in terms of, you know, um, funding and stuff. There, there's, a, there's a lot going on in Cardiff in terms of there's a lot of money being pumped into Cardiff. And there's a football club that no one... In, do you mean you walk around Cardiff City Centre and you wouldn't know there's a fo- football club, you know? Newport County have a have a have a shop in Friars Walk. Cardiff City's one went years ago. Do you was, mean last last one in time was in St David's, wasn't it? And it felt yeah. it was it was there a season. The lease ran out and they never bothered renewing it. Yeah, like there's no. I mean, I spoke to Yusuf on the pod about the mural, um, obviously, which is again another disgraceful thing that happened this week. But what he also spoke about is is the club not using the area that's around them you got Fitzalan high school on on the on the doorstep of the ground and no one from the club has ever goes there like that that's that school probably serves you know i think it serves grangetown canton riverside um which i hazard a guess at like maybe ten thousand people i don't know that could be completely off but there's a huge huge amount of people there and i don't see them I live in Grangetown now. I don't see people walking around in Cardiff shirts. I don't Even see... Glamorgan have got a hub in Fitzalan. They've gone in and done a cricket education yeah. program there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they haven't got the clout that Cardiff City have. And and like you said, you've got that catchment area that goes as far as Carmarthen and stuff. But when you, you're not embracing the people who can literally see the ground from their house... Yeah, exactly. Then you've got a major, major problem as an organisation. It's not well, the club, though. That sums up the club perfectly. They've... They've neglected the fan base for so long, it's really starting to come back and bite them on the ass. Yeah. I mean, Wales, this Wales sort of academy, you're sort of saying embracing these schools. Juventus have had an academy, this came up with the PSG Academy, it's opening up in South Wales in a couple of months. Juventus have had one for years. Why we're not in those schools and the only thing we do is sort of with the, with the community foundation, which to be honest, the, the foundation does a brilliant job with the stuff it's mm. involved with, but it's not wide scoping enough. It's not, like I'm in Pompre and I in Cardiff. It's sort of edges of Cardiff and there's good facilities. There's never anyone around there. You never see like schools, stuff going on with the schools. You'll never see Cardiff City. Like there's a lot of community events go on there and there's no representation. Even the Blues do it. And I know the marketing team in the Blues is three people and yeah. they're trying to get into every local community to get as many people there. And there's a big issue with rugby sort of that's another topic altogether. So yeah, um, yeah, the club needs to bucket its ideas up really, doesn't it? Big time. Um, I right. like. I I don't know. Is 
is there like I don't even know who the supporters the liaison officer is for Cardiff anymore. There's no, there's like, there's just nothing. I mean, there's the trust. I I joined the trust a year on. I don't really know what they've done. Like, like there's and three tweets a year when the state when the find out when the cash statement. Yeah, like I I thought oh let's join the trust let's try and make a difference. Do you know what I mean? Let's there's there needs there needs to be more we can do as fans. Truly. I mean, that's another conversation. I've spoke to a couple of people within the trust, and I think the biggest frustration from the trust is the club's lack of willingness to engage. Yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? When was the last time they put on anything? Like, Warnock did... One thing Warnock did really well was bring fans back involved, doesn't it? And you go from that, and now all of a sudden, it's it's gone back to the rebrand sort of stage of this big wall going up and no talking from the club. They don't want to know. They just want your money. And Mm. the Blackburn fixture... All right. As soon as the podcast came out an hour later, they made us look like mugs by saying they're going to give a fucking refund. But the lack of communication and sort of all of that show and just the whole thing of like, you can't have, we can't give it you for free. You've got to pay for it and we'll give you a 10 off your season ticket if you renew next year. Mm. Sort but of he, set. Yeah. He, even I, the, co- go on, Dan, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, just about the, you know, the community and the engagement side of it. Um, the comms just isn't really there. It's just not hitting the right notes at the minute. Um you know, like you said, like is does anyone know why Cardiff and Wrexham and Swansea don't don't even try and tweet or engage or communicate in Welsh? I mean, they may be alienating some of our fans, but you know, the so one, that was one of the main things that the FAW did so so well is they embraced the language and the identity that we have yeah. as Welsh people, and and that's what makes us so much different, and that's what makes us so unique in this league. The Welsh teams operating in an English team, us versus them every week. Unless we're playing each other. Sorry, I'll go behind the scenes sort of you saying about the identity and stuff like that. When I did the interview with the FAW for a job there, I think it was the second question they asked me was, what is Welsh identity to you? That's the second question. They're not interested in sort of my qualifications. What I did, it was a bit of a get to know you with the team. And then they're straight into it. What's Welsh identity to you? And they're on top of it. They understand their audience. And I don't think if you asked anyone... And I'm not going to talk about Rex and all the other clubs. I don't know them, but for the Cardiff, for a team like us, if you asked any of the team at the Cardiff City Stadium, what's the identity of a Cardiff fan? What do the Cardiff fans identify with? I don't think they'd have a clue. And I think that's the problem, isn't it? And that's sort of... Yeah. But if you asked any other fan in the in the stadium, they'd, they'd tell you exactly what, what we're all thinking. So, I'd, I'd, yeah, it's, it's a difficult discussion and maybe something that... You know, there may be regulations or something, you know, that they can't do, you know. It, it might be as simple as that. But I just think it needs to improve. And, and you know, if you if you improve the relationship between the fans and the club, then everyone gets on the same side and you're all fighting, fighting for the same cause. And then eventually it's going to end up looking better on the pitch. We want to try some, like, we've, like, we've in the WhatsApp chat with Ben and stuff, we've talked about doing Twitter spaces. I think what might be quite a good one is sort of, looking at this and sort of we'll take it onto Twitter and sort of get other people's views as well and sort of see what their views are. Because I think that it's a, it's a really important discussion that fans could have and sort of hopefully then you never know. Someone from Cardiff might listen. They might say, look, we're not. Because I don't think people want to jump down the club's throat. We don't want to be yeah. angry with the club. It's no, the last thing we want. To. It's too hard work. It's not what we paid. It's not. We're not here to slag the club off. So, yeah, we'll look at that. Maybe sort of in a few weeks we'll sort of jump on Twitter spaces and get you boys involved and we'll do another chat about it a bit more. Um, fans have the power. Fans have the power when they organise, and that's something what Cardiff fans haven't been able to do for a long time. Um, so 
it just takes a couple of people to do it. So why not us? Who knows? But yeah, I think, like Dan said, comms. I like look, Cardiff City TV. I, they do a good job. They, I think they, I think they do a good job. But the quality could be so much better because it's so easy to do this kind of thing now with the world and the technology as it is. Like invest in it because it pays out if you get a good comms team. And I don't think it's it's the people who are in those jobs to blame. By far, I think they're doing the best of what they're given. But let them, do you know I mean? Employ more people. Let because is it who's who's head of communications? Is it Denham? Mark, Mark Denham. Yeah. I think he, he does so much than you know. If he could concentrate on his role rather than doing all the other stuff, do you mean? I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be taking talking about individuals and their jobs, but um, I just think the club should put much I much more stock in communication because like the fact that so much of the club's content is behind a paywall is a disgrace like they should there should be an active youtube channel like how much do do people take from stuff like youtube and stuff like twitter and facebook and instagram it's just the bare minimum every week and that's not the fault of the people who are doing it because maybe is one person i do the media for pen of I'm the only person who does it. I I do a full time job. I do other things. I can't get it to how I th- you know how I'd like it. But I mean, same with Rog. Rog yeah. Chandler. It's 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 not easy to sort of stay on top of stuff and like you, the time that goes into doing graphics, match content. Like Rog, and we've got three clubs trying to keep on yeah. top of all three live tweet and stuff and all of that. It's difficult. Like we understand that. But yeah, um, I think we'll move on now because I think we've hammered the club enough. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, Gwydion, Gwydion Edwards asks, who do we need as signings and is now time for a back four? Um, I think we've sort of gone into that a bit. It's sort of, yeah. Um, Rob Bell, I'm guessing his name is. First of all, Morrison dug out individuals, then the forward line, now the whole team. Whilst no one happy with the players on Saturday is criticising them in the press conference, going to end well. Um, I think we've covered that as well. Sam Hardwell, will we go down? Probably the way it's going. Um, Miles asks, are players downing tools because they know whatever happens, they won't be here come May, or is it just a bad crop? I think, again, it's sort of something we've covered in all of this. Frisbee, uh, I think, has lost his fucking head and asks, pack to centre half. Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll have a go. Yeah, Actually, yeah, no, 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 no. I tried it, one game of football this year, it didn't work out well. So. It, it might make me care for him. Who knows? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Try like it's got to that point now where it's just like I want to look at a team sheet and think right he's he's trying something different because it's this you look at that and you're like okay all right it's in G it's McGuinness it's Flint it's Nelson you know it's just like I can name you probably Saturday's team now could we play could we play NG centre back <clears throat> right centre back he's sorry Harry NG centre Morrison left left centre back NG yeah, he's lad he could do it right so Diff NG asks, Perry NG gets an easy ride, but so really good enough since he had that excellent start. What do you lads make of Perry NG? Because I think he's a really curious case of a player. It started, and I thought, Christ, we're on to, I think this is the next Kevin McNaughton, next right back that goes everything. At times, a wonderful shithouse, but this season we've not seen, he doesn't seem to be the same player that he was this time 12 months ago. What do you boys think? Wait. When we signed him, I thought that's exactly the sort of signings we should be making. Young lads who've had experience in the lower leagues and ready to step up. And he showed it. 
he was quite outspoken about McCarthy when he left. So maybe there was something that had gone on there and he didn't like a style of play and maybe it's just rattled him a bit. But I'm not I'm not prepared to give up on him yet. I think he's someone who we can stick around definitely. You know, if you if you're talking about looking through that squad and you know playing sell or keep, he's definitely a keep for me. Um because Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help he's been put on the left as well sometimes. You know, he's been played out of position. You know, like you just said, when he came in, he looked he looked quality. So I think he just needs time. Yeah. Right. Cheers for your Twitter questions, everyone. Um, a lot to go through. And I might have missed a couple. I'm not too sure, but my internet's playing up. So um, we'll go from there. We'll go, I think the last thing to do really is preview Forest. Um, start of the season, I thought they were dead and buried. I thought they'd be down there with us. I thought they'd be in the position we are, to be honest, the way it was going. Couldn't get a win for love nor money and the fans were properly turning. Um, the Goblins come into place and they seem to be on the rise and potentially looking at a playoff pace. Um, it's a Sunday game. What's that? Eight days without a game. Longer on the training pitch to work on issues. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing, Tom? I don't, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I do you mean like I think when, when Morrison first came in, we were like, oh, you know, we've had a lot of fixtures that have come thick and fast. He hasn't had time to implement his, his philosophy, his style. We're starting to see his philosophy and style come across now. We're still not winning games. So, no, I, it's not going to be... I don't think it's a bad thing, to be honest with you. It, it may help, but I, I don't think it really makes a huge difference either way, to be honest. And fans are back. Um, I don't know if you boys are fancy and heading down. Um, I'm considering it, but I don't know at the moment. Um, fans back at the stadium, though. Surely that can only give the players a boost. Surely. Yeah, you'd like to hope so, wouldn't you? But at the minute, I think I think momentum is massive. Um, you know, Forrest, as you say, they're on the up and up. Just beat their local rivals. Brian Johnson looks absolutely magic, which is class for Wales, obviously, but terrible for us. And, and we're a bit of a sinking ship. So um, as it goes, we shouldn't be too optimistic, but as Cardiff City fans, we never are. Um, but you never know. It is the championship. Things, you know, teams are in terrible runs of form sometimes do end up getting results here and there. So let's stay positive. Well, Brennan Johnson might not be there come Sunday. That might be a positive. That'd be nice. Maybe, you go, yes, maybe, yes, maybe he'll be sold before then. Norwich should go in from him. He'd suit Norwich. He's that sort of player that would do well there. Yeah. Uh, right. I've put. I've called him the Goblin. Um, he's doing a hell of a job there. Um, what's your thoughts on him and just for us as a whole? Anyone who's listened to Alternative Wales, the podcast, um, will know that I'm quite Wonderful a big fan. Person. Thank you very much. Um, I'm quite a big fan of Steve Cooper. Um, my, you know, considering he's managing England youth setup team and Swansea, um, I, I'm quite a big fan <laughs> of him. Um, so yeah, I look. He's, I, I don't, I think Swansea fans treated him terribly towards the end of the spell. How, how did they think that getting rid of him was a good idea? I don't know. Um, I can say that on this podcast because. Um, we don't have. I'm like to think there's no Swansea fans listening. Amazing, we do get a couple that do. Well, it. yeah, there'd probably be a few um, sort of weirdos. Um, but yeah, look, he's a great manager, and Norwich have been and uh, Norwich, Nottingham Forest have been a basket case for a long time. Um, not many managers have gone. Chris Hooten, who was like the Championship whisperer, had gone in and they were in free fall. 
Um, I think they've he had was the bad... first manager to last twelve months under. Was that, he really under that? Was it Faz? Are they called the Fazwas or something? Yes, yeah, under, like under their under their um, ownership, he was the first manager. Or was he the first manager? Yeah, he was the first manager to last twelve months and start two two successive seasons. Yeah, and you know if he'd st- stayed in charge, they'd probably be in a very similar position to us. So Steve Cooper has done a hell of a job, and I'm and I think he's a future Wales manager. Um, and yeah, I I only got good things to say about him as a football manager. Um, Forest as a whole, again, you know they they they're a club like us. They they should be a bigger bigger club than they are. Um, head of history, but I, you know, I was looking at their back three from from Saturday. Obviously, they had um, Steve Cook, what a signing, and then they had is it McKenna next to him? You know, signed him from Scotland. When was the last time we went and bought a little gem from Scotland? Callum yeah. Patterson. Do you mean like how many times did that work for us in the past? You know, McNaughton, Don Cowie, Craig Conway. They, it's a good place to bring in cheap footballers that, that are good at championship level. So there's him and I can't remember who the other one was. I didn't write, write him down. But he was, oh no, he's Yates, young lad that had come through the academy. What a perfect little blend of three players. Experience, sort of like solid championship player and, and a youth prospect. Um, and that's what we don't have at this, you know, when you look at our squad is is a blend. It's, it's, it's all or nothing, isn't it? You know? Um, and yeah, Steve Cooper's doing a hell of a job and if they don't go up this season, then I think they're going to be in, in the conversation next year. Tom, they've got some well-established championship players. Who do you see as their danger men? Lewis Graben, he, even though he seems to be getting a song out of Lewis Graben for the first time in, what, five years? Yeah. but Well, it just shows, doesn't it? Like, like Cooper going in there, like that game against Arsenal in the cut, arguably they didn't play that well, you know, at times, but they're organised. They know what they're doing. They've got their roles. You know, they've got a purpose. They've, like they've got the likes of like Brennan Johnson we mentioned, but like people like Jed Spence who they brought in from Villa on loan, they tore Arsenal. Like it caused them so many problems, and 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 like Ryan said, they've got a, they've just got a blend of players and that kind of fit well as a team, you know. And Cooper, like he's a fantastic manager. Like you, you want to hate him, you kind of can't. I because, can that face. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I feel sorry for him. Like people are like you bullying him. His, dad, no, his dad's his dad's a referee. He managed England. He managed Swansea. But that's no. what I mean. It's he doesn't want. And he, he just doesn't want to be liked, does he? By Cardiff fans. Yeah, I think he comes across as a good bloke as well. It's same, bizarre. Same. Like, yeah, I, I, I haven't got a bad. I like him. I haven't got yeah. a bad word to say about him. Unless the grass is a little bit too long, and he does throw his toy out the pan. Then. It's, yeah. I think Ben's just got an agenda. Yeah. yeah, him, uh, Lee Johnson, slug, can't stand oh, the trick. See, yeah, Lee yeah, Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. what a horrible bloke. Yeah. yeah. Now we're it's, talking. It's mad that yeah. the most positive thing on this podcast today has been our opinion of Steve Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Cardiff fans are going to hate me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Wales first, I'm a big Steve Cooper fan. So yeah. I think it might be my last appearance as well. Yeah, I mean, I got to talk to you about that afterwards, actually. <laughs> um, right, let's just go for it then, boys. It's been grim reading. At home, I think it's the worst record in the Football League. Um, what's your predictions? Dan, we'll come to you first. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I think we're probably going to lose. Um, I'd like to th- I'd like to think we score a goal. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, I'd say we lose 2-1. One. 2-1. Two, one. Right. Uh, Cardiff nil, uh, Nottingham Forest two. Tom, 
uh, one all. Oh, he's going ambitious with it. Fair play. I feel yeah. like you you give a positive. You're like the anti of anti Mark Lawrenson. Just like a positive result every week. Yeah, and I can't remember the last time he had a positive result. So. I think we'd be top of the table if you took all my predictions. <laughs> yeah. No, I think even then we'd still be mid table, and that's been massively optimistic. <laughs> that just shows how bad it's been. <laughs> um. Oh God, I think we're going to get battered. I think it could be like a three 0 massacre. Oh, it's a battle. I thought you were going to say something like six 0 then, but I'll... it could easily be that the way we defend. Like we play against like. Let's not let's go back to the first game. Like they were shit. They weren't exactly fantastic and they tore us to shreds. You look at some of the players that Forrest have on the form there at the moment, and yeah, I'm getting worried. But like look at West Brom though. Do you know what I mean? We can get a good result. We can be organized at times. Like we've got flashes of it. It's mad that our flashes are getting draws. But like you know, we 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 can be all right at times, and I'm hoping this weekend we, we could get a win. Like it was games we should be targeting, really. At home, do you mean? It, we should be targeting wins. But we, it, what used to be a fortress is now a, very much a bouncy castle instead. But it's just, it's, we're terrible. But, like, you know, we've got to back the boys, man. Plucky one all. Let's leave lo- it. That's, that's almost positive, I think. Let's leave it there. <laughs> That's almost positive. Yeah, I was I was gonna go into a bit of a another negative spiral then. So <laughs> I'm any more anymore, I'm jumping off a bridge. <laughs> People have got to listen to this on the commute yeah, I know. tomorrow. Let's well, they don't have they don't have to, that's the problem. Yeah, and, and, and let's be honest, some of them aren't. So you know, fucking buck your ideas without going full bubbins on this, lads. Come on, we need the numbers. Um speaking of numbers, um, we've got an offer. Look after your testicles, they'll look after you, as I once said once. Um, our Manscaped offer at VFT Ninian ends on January the 31st. If you want 20% off the um, was it Performance 4.0 package, um, me and Tom got one. Some lovely t-shirts, some lovely boxes, and some magnificent ball deodorant. Have you boys tra- got on the Manscaped pipe yet? I've not, no. Um, but <laughs> I will have to take up this fantastic offer from View from the Ninian, uh, which you can get at manscaped.com forward slash VFTN? Yeah, well, v, uh, VFT Ninian. Use the code VFT to check out and yeah. you get 20% so off the performance. Program. I will be doing exactly that as soon as I turn my laptop off. To, to be fair, Ben, you made it sound like me and you were sharing one as well. So me, me and Tom have got one. Uh, so why don't you all as well? One each. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, don't forget that ends January 31st. And if you can support the pod, it would be a massive help support us going forward for the rest of the season. So, yeah. Or if you want to give money otherwise, and as Ben says, if you like what we do, kofi.co.uk forward slash VFT Ninian. Um, chuck us a few quid, help with the running costs. Um, anything you can give is greatly appreciated because we've got to pay for Ben's holiday to Miami. Um, and he, that, what, does he, what does he usually say for the love, not the money or something? <laughs> Whatever yeah, he says it. every week, he gets the wrong way around. <laughs> no, he's, he's gone to Miami. He's doing it for the money, not the love, let's be honest. <laughs> Um, so yeah that's it for this week um, if you've managed to make it through this without self-harming or doing anything dangerous to yourself well done because it's been a bit of a slog um, Dan where can people find you on Twitter? Jardine uh, Official Lovely join one of the thousands of Welsh people following him on Twitter <laughs> and right where can we find you and more importantly where can we find Alternative Wales? Um, Alternative Wales is at uh, at alt underscore Wales uh, I am on Twitter under a pseudonym of Brian Mouth um uh yeah 
Was that Agent Phillips's idea to come up with that alternative? Scene, no, or? I thought I'd best do it in case I say anything um, derogatory about um, things on on our podcast. Uh, yeah, and you just did it on here instead. Nice, I did it on you instead. Yeah, <laughs> if if you are interested in Welsh football more broadly and sort of just alternative Welsh culture, then um, come and and listen to our podcast and buy a fanzine on alternativewales.com. Um, and I just want to apologise to anyone who had to listen to me um, get a lot of off my chest that I've been wanting to get off my chest for a long time about Cardiff City. So, How do you feel uh, about it all? Do you feel better now? I, I feel much better. I, I might go for a run just to, <laughs> just to sort of... I'm, I'm flying now. I've, I've, I've said a lot of stuff I wanted to say for a lot, long time. Not this it's, time, I avoid City Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom, so, how are you feeling about everything, buddy? You've seen your calm self as normal? Yeah. I don't know. I've been, I've been ranting about this all year, so... I, generally apathetic to the whole thing now so thanks for listening to me <laughs> again just be <laughs> yeah, just frustrated by it all normal order will be resumed next week ben james is back and um yeah we'll see you then when hopefully there might be some positivity but let's be honest it probably won't